Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com and use promo code COGDIS30, that's C-O-G-D-I-S 30, all one word, to save $30 off your first week of deliveries. Hey guys, this is Ellie. So I was listening to your podcast about uh, that Morningstar guy. Uh, well, you know, Morningstar is actually also a reference to Satan and Christianity. Uh, it's one of the nicknames they have for Lucifer. Uh, so I don't know about you guys, but I think that this guy might be worshiping the devil on the download. I don't know. What do you think? Glory hole, motherfuckers. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode, we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. This is episode 384 of Cognitive Dissonance, and we are joined at long last, finally, yeah, by our uh, very special guest, Dan Savage. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We, you know, it's funny because we we kind of threw out teasers to our audience, like we're going to have a guest, but yeah. we're not telling you who, <laughs> just in case. And we're glad we did yeah. it because just you had you yeah. had a little emergency yeah. last week. We're so grateful to have you on this week to to come on and uh, welcome to the glory hole, my friend. <laughs> uh, I want to make a joke about it not being my first time at a glory. <laughs> It actually, wait, it actually is my first time. <laughs> Nobody ever admits their time at the glory hole, right? But it is a very special time for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, those, those things just don't work for me. Like, <laughs> like I want to know what the dick is attached to. Like, what, the, what the dick is attached to is very, very important to some of us. <laughs> You don't want to give a blowjob and stand up and walk around the corner and find your uncle. Or... <laughs> that would never have occurred. That's just like, uh, oh, man, now Christmas is going to be weird or weird or you know, or Bill O'Reilly or Ted Haggard. You just yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, but that's good. That, then you get a quick picture. You're like, oh, selfie yeah, time, selfie. motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe a thirty two million dollar settlement yeah, for right. me, too. <laughs> emotional distress yeah, exactly exactly oh my god so thanks again so much for coming on the show um the first question i wanted to talk to you about you know it, it's it's kind of good timing to have you on over the last couple of weeks um the me too campaign kind of started exploding all over social media um and as mm-hmm. as i was watching my facebook and, and other media kind of fill up with all these heartbreaking stories of um you know harassment and abuse and what have you um, it occurred to me, you know, hey, we're going to have Dan on. I, I wonder if these kind of awareness raising, raising projects have a, a kind of corollary between the the importance of also coming out in other areas of um, not just sexual violence, but sexual identity. And I, I thought I'd get your thoughts on that. Well, you know, people need to tell their stories. And, you know, there's so much sex shame in the culture and so much victim blaming in the culture that 
people who have been victimized often don't share those stories for fear of the piling on, for fear of um, being attacked, really. And, and you see that when there's one accuser. There was a stories written after um, the accusers came forward uh, about Weinstein, about the power in numbers. And there were, certainly was power in numbers there. There was also, you know, it was kind of distressing to think that if just one actress had come forward, as one did in New York, yeah, there's a case yeah. where one wore a wire uh, and actually got evidence, and then the prosecutor didn't bring charges. One came forward and went to the authorities and got no, didn't get justice. That's and insane. what it oh. seems to be, take with powerful men is dozens and dozens of women coming forward at once, which means we have to wait until this powerful man has dozens and dozens of victims or a hundred victims. So there's dozens and dozens willing to come forward. And that's really depressing. Um, you know, people were kind of looking at like all these women linking arms, coming forward, power, uh, the power in that and like how wonderful that was. And I was just sitting, you know, at my computer thinking, well, this is kind of a feel bad story masquerading as a feel good story, yeah, I guess, yeah. at least the power numbers angle of it, because it shouldn't take. 24 women or 36 women it should take one well and there shouldn't be 24 women like there shouldn't be one right i felt the same thing it's you know my facebook feed filled up like it mm -hmm. just filled up and i was like this is every this is everybody yeah yeah How and i think i don't know if you guys have kids do you guys have kids i have i have four yeah we have a son we have a son but we have you know really good friends who have a daughter our son's age and it was just so depressing and shocking uh at, at what age the harassment started at what age their daughter started to be harassed on the street harassed on the bus by strangers and strange men um you know she's 12 13 years holy old. jesus dudes were coming at her uh and it's just it is nonstop, and it is a dangerous world out there for women and there is you know toxic masculinity i really think is a problem and male privilege is a problem and you have slut shaming uh, and sex phobia that shuts women down on, you know, both sides. Women are really trapped between those two sort of cultural forces, male entitlement, and then shifting onto the woman all responsibility for whatever it is that happens to her, however she's persecuted or singled out. And God, it's, it's intractable, but we've got to push back against it and fight it. We come from a, a community. The community that we belong to is the skeptic atheist community. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty sex positive community. Uh, it's, and it's one of those, it's one of those communities that, uh, that sort of, I think tries to accept people for, uh, any kind of, uh, sexual orientation that they have. Have you ever had any experience with anyone coming after you as a gay person or insulting you as a gay person or attacking you as a gay person that wasn't religious based? Oh my God. No, no. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have people who are, you know, they'll come at you with some argument about, you know, the extinction of the human race. If everybody turns gay tomorrow, because, you know, if everybody turns gay tomorrow, <laughs> that's happening. we're going to forget which shit, you know, if everyone turns gay tomorrow, we're suddenly going to forget which whole shit's babies. And we're all yeah. just standing there like, well, I guess I guess we could Google human reproduction yeah. and see if we can't work something out with a turkey baster. But no, no, no. Let's just keep yeah. It. We're not going to lose all turkey basters. Right. Yeah, how, yeah. How do they think that works? Everybody just wakes up and rubs their eyes like, oh my god, I didn't like dick, but now I yeah. do. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the previous pope, you know, the Dowager Pope said this that <laughs> one of the, the reasons that the Dowager Pope gave for opposing marriage equality was that you know this would lead ultimately to the extinction of the human race because. <laughs> I don't know, because the only thing standing yeah. between straight guys and 
And gay sex is a piece of paper that if you give out marriage licenses to gay couples, there's not going to be any straight guys in like 48 hours. They're all going to yeah. be... <laughs> They're all going to be kneeling at glory holes with wedding rings. On. Exactly. You know, it's it's so funny though because like it didn't work in the reverse, right? There were still plenty of gay men, even though straight marriage was legal. It wasn't like gay men looked around right. like, wait a minute. And there were still plenty of gay people out there when we were persecuted and lobotomized right. and thrown in jail and burnt at the stake. Yeah. Uh, but but the answer to your question, I've never had a conversation with somebody who tried to like advance a rational. Darwinian argument or uh, survival of the species as if the planet's problem isn't there are too fucking many of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we could deal with a couple of generations of majority homo for a while. <laughs> but, but anybody who makes those arguments, you like sit with them for a second and start peeling them back. And ultimately, you know, the chewy center at the heart of their <laughs> argument or the heart of their opposition is my imaginary friends don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is, is, is there also the like, because I, I have heard, especially more, more when I was a younger man, um, but, you know, the, the sort of like heterosexual ick factor, like as a part where people are just uncomfortable. They're just, it's not religious based. They're just sort, yeah. of, sort of like uncomfortable with imagining other people. Uh, fucking. And, and we've, we've talked about Cecil and I've talked about this before. And it's, it's funny because like when you meet a heterosexual couple you almost never imagine them fucking, right? Yeah. The last thing I want to do when I meet, yeah. like, oh, hey, Uncle hey. Jim. <laughs> and then you're just, nobody's doing that. Yeah. Right. And yet, like, people will cite, like, uh, you, you hear it in the slurs that are leveled against the gay community all the time. The, the slurs are very sexualized slurs, which mm -hmm. leads you to believe, like, you've spent some you, time yeah, thinking really, about this. You really pondered yeah. a lot of this. You've got too. some ink, you know, pen and ink drawings <laughs> exactly. at home. Well, you know, the corrective to that ick factor, and first of all, if we're going to base, you know, law and justice on ick factors, I think cunnilingus is kind of icky, so nobody should do it. <laughs> out of deference to me. Um, but, you know, if I was the emperor of the, of the world... Um, and I think this is part of it. And I think a few generations of uh, gay people being fully out and marrying and having their own families is going to correct this. But when I came out, my mother was like, yeah, and my mother's Catholic, very religious. Um, okay, you're out. I love you. You can never bring a boyfriend into this house. I never want to meet anybody that you're dating. And meanwhile, my sister, her boyfriend could come over all the time. Right. And I you know, got into these knockdown, drag out arguments with my mother. And she's very Catholic and very proper. But when it was just us, we could, we would get very like explicit with each other, <laughs> the language. <laughs> and I was just like, why can Laura's boyfriend be here and my boyfriend can't? You know Laura and her boyfriend are having sex. You know Laura is sucking her boyfriend <laughs> off. So what's the diff with my boyfriend? And my, what came out of my mother's mouth was, <laughs> I shouldn't use that expression in this <laughs> context, but what came out of my mother's mouth was, um, well, the thing with Laura blowing her boyfriend is that that blowjob could lead ultimately to marriage and family. <laughs> and the blowjob that you're giving your boyfriend doesn't lead anywhere. And I looked at my mother and said, and whose fault is that? Right. Like, why is that the case? It's not gay people didn't decide we couldn't have families. Gay people decided yeah. we couldn't get married. You fuckers did. You religious fuckers did. So the reason that blowjobs I'm giving my boyfriend are different than the blowjobs my sister gives her boyfriend is not my problem, not my fault. I didn't design that system. You assholes did. You, you talk about your your your, your husband and your child. Um, have you ever received any, I'm sure you have as a public figure, some outrage about a same-sex couple having a child? Oh and God, yeah. and what, what's their issue? That's the thing. I, I mean, like, I don't think like this. So for me, and I don't ever interact with people like this, so I never really hear what the issue is that people have with a same-sex couple having a child. 
Well, the issue, the way the right frames it is that we are taking children away from opposite sex parents, from heterosexual families, which isn't fucking true. There are more kids <laughs> waiting to be adopted than there right. are families to place them with. And in the case of our son, um, you know, he had three shots at heterosexual parents, his biological parents, his birth parents, who couldn't raise him and did absolutely, absolutely the right thing in, in doing an adoption and that was the most loving thing they could have done. And they were responsible straight parents in that moment. But then, you know, before we adopted two other straight couples looked at our birth mom's history of drug and alcohol abuse and refused to adopt him. Oh, oh my gosh. And it was just like, okay, so we did. And he's well, great and he's an awesome kid and he's fine. You know, the, the fears often of substance abuse early in pregnancy are a little overblown, partly to scare people who are responsible enough to listen to those messages off drugs and alcohol and people who won't be scared off and aren't going to do anything, aren't going to change their behavior. But right. he had, you know, he had those. So it's often like this false choice. Like, I could have had straight parents. Every kid deserves a mother and a father. And I'm pro mom and dad. I had a mom and dad. They were awesome. <laughs> and it's kind of an argument uh, about sentimentality and a kind of Courier and Ives version, Norman Rockwell version of what a family no. is supposed to be. And doesn't a kid deserve what a family is supposed to be? But if you're gay men, and this is, you know, we adopted 20 years ago. And a lot's happened in 20 years uh, since we adopted. Um, but if you're gay men and you're adopting 20 years ago, and even sometimes I still hear this now, is that we wanted to adopt a son. And it wasn't up to us whether it would be a son. We didn't open adoption. So it was up to the birth mother who picked us, you know, the kid we were going to get. You couldn't say, we'd like a boy. But often the argument that we got 20 years ago was we were adopting because we wanted to rape a child. Oh what? my fucking God. Would, really? Well, hold on, hold on. Would people say that out loud to you? Yes. yes. <gasps> Who the fuck says that out loud? <laughs> asshole bigot. Uh, Holy uh, shit. Uh, anonymous asshole the, bigots on, online say that to you. Okay, so that's and the thing, though. It's anonymous online assholery, right? Nobody to your face said that. Your face, but like religious hater, hater, religious hater preachers have said this. Yeah. And, okay. and it's so ridiculous God. on its face. Yes, we're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars if you get that. Right? Like, clean up puke and vomit. We're going to raise this child because all of that is so much easier than flying to Thailand twice a year yeah. <laughs> who rape kids who should be fucking drawn and quartered or doing. Um, right. And it's so, it's so offensive. And, and, you know, just, it, you know, everything they're saying now about trans women, that they're just like, they're preying on children. They're preying on children. Those are the lies they used to tell about gay men. Uh, mm. That, you know, we were lurking in bathrooms is what they say about trans women now to like, prey on children, except they're now saying these trans men are, or trans women are preying on girls. Uh, and, you know, gay men were preying on little boys, the whole little boys argument. Everything they say about trans women now, they said about us then. And some people still believe it. Some people believe that we are uh, predators. And and it's especially galling as a Catholic to hear this shit come from out of religious people's mouths and then to open the paper every day and read about the 40 youth pastors this week who raised yeah. kids. Right? Yeah. As a beam in your eye, exactly. you might want to... Yeah. Wait, a, that's no fucking beam in your eye. That's the Olympic National Forest in your fucking... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's surprising to me that, that the Republicans, you know, it, they seem to be so family-focused and they seem to be like, you know, we want to make sure... They, they, they try to save, you know, every sperm, let alone <laughs> every single fetus. That's what I have and, in common with them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> You're a log cabin Republican. Saving every sperm. Not, <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a jar by the side of the bed for later. Except for later. That's mine. I don't know. But the uh but the they would they would much rather, at least from your story, have a child be in foster care or in a state home 
yeah, than they Newt, would in your family. Newt Gingrich said that about gay families. Ugh. Better that kids should be in orphanages than be uh, raised by same-sex couples. Yeah. Says somebody who didn't get raised in an orphanage, yeah. right? Like right. these things are only ever said by people who never have to endure them. Yeah, and, and Newt Gingrich is the one we want speaking for family values. Yeah, exactly. Like, right? The way things ought to be yeah. and how they ought to work. Newt. It it is astonishing. Like you brought up the Catholic Church and the Newt Gingrich. It's astonishing how many of these people are so like horrifyingly unself-aware. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, well, let me expound my ideas upon the moral landscape yeah. of the family in America. And it's like your family's in tatters, man. Yeah, yeah. Your organization is a child rape factory. You <laughs> might want to lay low on this one and yeah. pick a different cause. Yeah. This is not your cause. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk about... you know, I, I've said this like a number of times online and had people blow up at me, but you know, when Catholic bishops during the marriage equality debate here were expounding on uh, you know, this being child abuse, every once in a while I would jump in to say, well, they're the experts. Perhaps we should defer. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about politics a little. Let's move on to uh, to one of the people that we love to talk about on our show. Oh, God. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, we, we did a live stream, actually, the night he was uh, elected. Dan, it, it was just, the most depressing live stream. Seriously? I walked into the I walked into the studio. I was lighter than air. I was yeah. like, this is going to be great. Uh, I, all this stuff. I'm like, I brought all this stuff to make drinks. We got the live stream on. We're going to uh, have a great. I was looking forward to it for weeks. Yeah. By like nine o'clock central time, <laughs> I, I I was shell shocked. Like Patton was slapping me across yeah, the face. Exactly. Like get up, soldier! It was bad. <laughs> it was terrible. It was a yeah, nightmare. It was. Uh, I was hosting a election night party in Seattle in a club with three thousand people in it. Oh, and a balloon drop on the ceiling, ready to go when we got our first woman president. Oh, and uh, I had to be the one that kept going up on stage to share returns with them. And oh. uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> That was fucking hard. I usually oh, I usually don't get stoned in front of a crowd, but like <laughs> around eight o'clock I started hitting, I started smoking. <laughs> and then and then around midnight, you know, we had our most depressing balloon drop ever, where we all just stood there silently and let the <laughs> We had to do it. We couldn't leave the balloons up on the ceiling. We could, like, <laughs> the clock let us hang the balloon drop on the condition that it was all gone it's, by tomorrow morning. It's like, it's like the end of The Shining, but instead of blood, it's just balloons <laughs> falling on you. Or the end of Carrie. Yeah, exactly, right? right? Yeah. Um, oh my god. Yeah, that's awesome. This is uh, I would just be able to bat him out of the air angrily, like, <laughs> fuck you. You were a celebration balloon. You've let me down. Oh man. So before Trump was uh was elected, I remember a lot of his supporters made a really, really big show about how he was gonna be very gay friendly, very LGBT friendly. So we're almost, I think it's nine months now into his presidency. What do you think about the Trump presidency towards the LGBT community so far? Uh, it's been horrible. The, they've taken every opportunity they could take to uh, roll back or harm the LGBT community, particularly targeted the trans community, but they've targeted uh, gay people in scores of ways uh, and other kinds of queer people. Um, and it's it's horrifying. And anybody out there who was gay enough, but also stupid enough to yeah. vote for Trump should have their voting rights rescinded. It should be some sort of, you know, we don't want to have IQ tests or voting or poll taxes, but Jesus fucking Christ, I think anybody who fell for, oh, look, Trump held up a pride flag. No nominee's ever done that before. Yeah. Trump, Trump said LGBTQ off a teleprompter at the Republican National, uh, or the Republican um, 
convention also said that he was going to protect the you know American LGBTQ community from uh, <laughs> from foreign ideologies, which was a clear signal that he wasn't going to protect us from from hateful foreign ideologies. That meant I'm not going to protect you from hateful domestic ideologies from our homegrown anti-queer Christian bigots here, which they've they've absolutely uh, empowered and done. And, and the only evidence you needed that this was not going to be a queer-friendly administration was his pick of Pence as his running mate. Pence made his bones as a raving, ranting, yep. foot-stomping, yep. anti-queer bigot in Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. And he signed the first, quote-unquote, Religious Freedom Restoration Act at, at a state level in Indiana. It was a disaster for Indiana. It almost ended his career. It was so unpopular with the business community yep. in Indiana, let alone the gay community in Indiana. Um, and that that's Pence coming and going. He's a, he's a fundamentalist Christian fucking anti-queer bigot. Uh, and he's such a moralist, Pence is, that he crawled into bed with Donald fucking Trump. Yeah, can, can I ask, and I know you have no you have no way to know this, right? So this is just wild speculation, but I love wild speculation from that time. How much of this shit do you think he believes? And how much of this do you think he's just saying whatever is expedient at the time? Trump? Yeah. I mean, Pence believes. I think Pence, Pence is a true believer all day long. That's the impression I've always gotten. We covered these stories on the show yeah, before, from Indiana yeah. when, when they happened. I remember when Salesforce yeah. was going to pull their headquarters out of yeah. there. I remember when they closed down all those uh, AIDS clinics back then. We covered oh, God, that too yeah, we covered because that of too. the needle exchange. Right. And, right. Uh -huh. yeah. and yeah. then they saw a huge spike in HIV. Exactly. Right. We yeah. have another yeah. story this week that we're going to cover about the exact same exact thing. same thing because it's Indiana. It's a garbage state. It's, so. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it smells state. like what it is. So, <laughs> But how much of this shit do you think Trump, how much of this is just expedience in order to win Whatever he thinks is the prize, which which at this point, Dan, if you have any idea what he thinks the prize is, I'd I'd actually be curious about that question too. Well, I think because I'm unsure. I, I think for Trump, the prize is knowing that he's always going to be on those paper placemats and diners. You <laughs> <laughs> have all the presidents on them, right? The right, right. He's going to get his, his yeah. U.S. Mint commemorative gold coin. <laughs> That's right. Like, That's they didn't, didn't scrape oh, Nixon off the placemats and diners. They're not going to scrape Trump off it either. Oh. It, I, I don't think he ever expected to be president. I no, thought, I don't think so know, either. He's such an, he's, he's a grievance guy. And, and that's why he's still complaining about Hillary. That's why he's still complaining about the press. That's why he's attacking war widows. All he does is, uh, is rack up grievances and, and settle scores and attack people. And he would have been much happier to lose and then complain about the rigged election for the rest of his life and claim that he was the rightful president. And I think he expected to lose. There's those reports from Trump HQ on election night that nobody in that room was yeah. more shocked that, Tr than, that Trump won <laughs> than Trump and everyone else in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> he, uh, I heard, a, I heard an interesting comment from, this was from, a, this was from a, uh, a commentator. I think it was from somebody from NPR who said that they don't think he was, uh, he was planning on winning either. They was just going to use his Russia connections to leverage more business later <laughs> and, and use that during the campaign to try to convince them that he was somebody who was trustworthy and that that's why all this stuff even felt, even came about. That's with a speculation that the NPR reporter had, which yeah. it, it makes sense, right? You know, like I mean, he's, he's a bit, he's not a good business guy, but a business guy who wants to make more deals and He's had problems with Russia and it's easy. He's a, he's a fix lousy that. business guy. And he, uh, you know, you see this with the stiffing of his contractors everywhere. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Everywhere and the refusal to pay his bills. Yep. He's a shady business guy and probably has broken the law uh, on numerous occasions. And Mueller, Robert Mueller, is now looking into his business practices and his 
business dealings uh, because that special prosecutorship, they can go just about anywhere. That yep. independent counsel can go just about anywhere. And just like the, you know, investigation into Whitewater can be contained and we ended up with the Paula Jones shit and the Monica Lewinsky shit and the impeachment of Bill Clinton for a blowjob shit. We don't know where this is going to go, but Trump never wanted anybody digging around in his business practices or, or his financial history or his looking at his tax returns. So he may, you know, be the proverbial dog that caught the car. So then the car, like, put it, whoever's driving that car, Robert Mueller, shifted into reverse and ran that fucking dog over. Is what I'm yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, shit. Does this? Does this? Uh, this feels like. This feels like that alternative uh, history fiction where it's yeah. like, what if Hitler had won? You yeah. know, like we're all of a sudden li we're living yeah. the alternative history version of what should have happened. Yeah. Right. Like we're like we're at that crossroads moment. And we're like, laugh. No, wait, I meant right. I meant to take it. I mean, yeah, the late. other way around, but still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just because it feels so absolutely surreal yeah. to be yeah. in this place. Absolutely. absolutely surreal. Absolutely. I, you know, Every day you wake up and you you grab your phone. Uh, I do next to the bed in the morning, and we're three hours behind East Coast time here. So I wake up at seven and it's ten a.m. and I grab my phone, hoping one of two things has happened: like indictments have come down. Uh, I sometimes tweet out hashtag Team Cholesterol without ever explaining what that means. But what that means is <laughs> maybe an artery has saved the republic. HDL, HDL, exactly. Uh, or, or talks like yeah. order nuclear missiles flying, and there's tweets about. Yeah, it. no, that's that's yeah. another real possibility, I, yeah. right? I I get I have alerts set for my phone, so anytime Trump does anything, my phone yeah goes off, right? And every time it goes off, I'm like, please don't have the word missile anywhere in the title. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it does, and every time I'm like, oh, I gotta go stops. up. It really does. Trump at this point is really trying to fight against the media. What do you think about Trump's war on the media right now? I mean, he's really he's really pushing it. It's classic but authoritarianism. And you have something like 54 or 46% of the public now believes that the media makes up stories about Trump, which yeah. of course they don't do. It's classic authoritarianism to undermine the media. He's you know, we always talk about him emulating Putin in this, he's emulating Erdogan uh, in Turkey, yeah. another one of his favorite uh, strong men, authoritarian dictators. That's terrifying, by the way. It, That's literally actually terrifying. It is terrifying. And, you know, people who say it can't happen here forget how close it came to happening here during McCarthyism in the 1950s and how dangerously close we came to, you know, authoritarianism. Yeah. Um, and, and lives were destroyed. You know, I think for the people whose lives were destroyed uh, during the witch hunts and, and red scare sure. in the 50s that they would say that authoritarianism did arrive and it just passed hopefully somewhat quickly but i don't think that we'll survive it this time if it comes and we have to keep resisting and pushing back um and we you know we keep looking at the courts and the court saved us on the travel ban three or four times yep. but trump is also right now in uh the business of packing the courts with his knuckle dragging appointees and uh mcconnell is throwing out the blue sip process so that uh senators can't challenge trump's appointments uh of unqualified fucking people who shouldn't be goddamn yeah. dog catchers much less judges yeah, right? or federal judges for life that was also scary oh can we talk about blowjobs and glory holes again <laughs> uh but i had i had a, I had a depressing follow-up question <laughs> 
I want to ask my depressing follow-up question. Then I want to ask you about ITMFA a little bit. So, okay. Um, because, because maybe there's a silver-ish yeah, lining-ish. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess, I guess, you know, I, you're, you're, we're, we're all kind of on the same page here and the, the war on the media, it's classic authority. I, I'm right there with you. And, and I look at this Trump presidency, but more importantly, the Trump candidacy and the way that it was run. And I mm -hmm. think like, is this just politics now? Yeah. Is this, is this what's next? How does this, what do you, what do you think? Like, are we going to return to statesmanship or is this just, or is it showmanship from now on? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Like it's either. You know, we're on our way to idiocracy. That movie is yeah. just where we're headed. Shockingly is Oprah going to one? Is The Rock going to run? Uh, or are people going to, after a few years in the circus celebrity po politician tumbler, going to come to their senses and recognize that we don't, you know, you can't run the country like a business because a government isn't a business. You know, a government can't uh, merge with another government. A government can't. Um, declare bankruptcy and and close yeah, up shop. Right, uh, governments aren't businesses, uh, and businessmen, especially huckster businessmen like Trump, are politicians. And there's a skill set that a good politician Absolutely. has, like Hillary Clinton, yeah. uh, that we need in, in the White House, that we need in high office. And maybe people are going to come to their goddamn senses. You know, you see a lot of uh, rumblings that there's going to be a big Democratic wave uh, a year and a month from now. Fingers fucking crossed. That actually yeah, we'll see. Yeah, right. But like you know, you know, like right now, for the most part, old bitter white people run the government, right? And old bitter white people elect our right. government. Are young people going to be the change that we need? Like, like yeah, but you got old bitter white people right now in power who are rigging the system uh, to purge voter rolls, yeah. to raise obstacles to voting, to gerrymand not just gerrymandering, but purging voter rolls. Oh yeah, racist voter ID laws. Uh, you know, the, the, the analysis of what went on with, with, in Wisconsin, where Trump won by, you know, I mean, 15, 20,000 votes, is that 80,000 people were prevented from voting, mostly people of color, most of whom would have voted for Hillary Clinton. Because of the license law. Right. right? So it, yeah. it was rigged. The, the election was rigged in Trump's favor. And Democrats don't talk enough about voter suppression, and they need to, and we need to fix our, our voting system. But we also have to play on the field that we're, we found ourselves on, which means we have to have outreach to uh, poor communities, community colleges, young people, to make sure that they're registered to vote and to make sure that they have all the assistance that they need to get registered to vote if they can't, uh, you know, if there are obstacles being raised. And, and there are in North Carolina and there are in Pennsylvania and there are in Wisconsin and there are basically in every state in the old confederacy. What we need is 5 million undocumented people to just to join in the vote. <laughs> we had 5 million of them. I think we could win next yeah. time. You do a lot of speaking on college campuses. Are young people energized? Uh, they are. Although, you know, in all honesty, I do less speaking on college campuses now than I used to. Well, you should do some more and energize the yeah, young people. Energize Dad, I'm really <laughs> nervous right now. <laughs> Tell us about your charity, uh, ITMFA. Um, well, it's, you know, it started as a joke. It, it's a rip. Uh, there's something I say in my column a lot. If you write an advice column, as I do, mm -hmm. um, half the letters you get are, oh, my boyfriend is great. And we love each other so much. and Everything's awesome. Uh, and then you get a, but, you know, he killed my, he kicked my dog to death and he sets the house on fire once a week. And, <laughs> you know, he's never given me an orgasm and he wakes me up in the middle of the night sometimes by blowing a load on my face without my consent. <laughs> And they'll go out. Wait, wait, wait. Those are bad. I got this. Boyfriend of the year. Hold on. Don't do that. They'll, okay. They'll, uh, you know, someone will start by telling you how lovely everything is and then end with just like the worst boyfriend. 
<laughs> he's great. He's lovely. He's Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Rather than, you know, to save space, it's a column. I have limited column inches. Instead of saying, you know, you really need to dump this person. They're a terrible person. Uh, I came up with DTMFA, which stands for dump the motherfucker already. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I just give a one acronym abbreviation response to a letter like DTMFA, just like you need to break up with this asshole. Yeah, yeah. And ITMFA was a reader suggestion for impeach the motherfucker already. And I did it during in 2004 when Bush was running to raise money for the guy challenging Lieberman, the guy challenging uh, Rick Santorum at the time in Pennsylvania uh, and ACLU in 2004, back when we thought George Bush was the worst president we were ever going to see in our lifetimes. <laughs> and somebody and I raised 20 grand and gave 10 to ACLU and five each to the person running against Lieberman, Ed Lamont, who didn't win. And uh, Bob Casey, who ran against Santorum and did win. And then I brought it back for Trump. And we have raised now uh, enough money. Um, every cent, every every cent of proceeds goes to these three charities, the ACLU, uh, Planned Parenthood, and the International Refugee Assistance Project. We have raised selling ITMFA t-shirts, hats, buttons, lapel pins, and mugs, $200,000. I raised enough money, I have enough sales to donate free and clear 200 grand to these organizations. Nice. That's awesome. And what the best part about ITMFA, if you go to, like if you're on Instagram, go to uh, Instagram.com slash ITMFA gram. And, you know, you see people in the hats and the t-shirts and the holding the mugs, wearing the buttons. And and I wear them out all the time. And the best part is people come up to you and they say, what does that stand for? Get <laughs> <laughs> on your hat and they see it on the t-shirt. You get to look at them and say, impeach the motherfucker already. And they laugh, which is why we sell the buttons in 10 packs so you can have some in your pocket. And if somebody sees your button and asks and they love it, you can give them a button. If someone sees the button and they ask and they hate it, you can open the button and poke them. With it. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm advocating political violence. No, no, of course no, not. Of course Outrageous. not. Of course not. So do you, you, you clearly think, since you brought it back, that this is way more important now than it was during the Bush presidency. Like you said, the worst presidency all of us had experienced up until very recently. Yeah, it feels but, hopelessly naive, doesn't yeah. it? Like, I, I want to return to that feeling, and no, that was no, no, a feeling no, no, no. that upset me. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we can, you know, look, because we survived the Bush presidency, we think it can't have been that bad, or we weren't in that much danger. We really were, and they yeah, really we were. were attacking uh, our uh, amendment rights, and they really were uh, undermining the Constitution. Ari Fleischer from the podium of the White House, from the briefing room, saying Americans have to watch what they do and watch what they say, which was so Nazi Germany oh, for my yeah. uh, money. Um, they were dark and dangerous times, and we were the nation was truly in peril, and the Bush administration was insanely incompetent, as is the Trump administration. Being bad at governing is like the Republican specialty because... They argue that government doesn't work and can't help. And the only way they can prove that is to seize control of government and show that government doesn't work and can't help by (laughs) kneecapping everything government does. So then they could say, see, and then a Democrat comes in like Clinton or Obama, gets the government's on its feet, improves the economy, gets agencies like the EPA and FEMA working properly by appointing not – uh, what's his Rick, name? Perry. Rick Perry? This yeah. not, not Rick Perry that, to the Energy Department, but a, a Harvard uh, exactly. Nobel Prize winning fucking physicist. Yeah, <laughs> someone who knows about energy. energy? Right about energy. That's who Obama appointed. And so the Republicans, yeah. when they run things, they run them into a ditch to say, "See, government's terrible." And Americans are so gullible, or enough are that Americans don't make the connection. Go, hey, wait a minute. That's like you telling me that my house is a fire trap. 
and then walking in and dumping gasoline everywhere and throwing matches. Yeah. <laughs> house was fine until you burnt it the fuck down. Government is fine until you run it off a cliff. With W, I at least felt like they were evil and smart and dangerous. Now I feel like they're just evil and dangerous, though. Like I, I don't get a sense. Like you know, with with W, you had Cheney, you know, who's kind of you know the evil mastermind, yeah. and yet you had some guys that were undeniably Shitty. brilliant men. They were terrible, mm -hmm. but some of them were undeniably quite brilliant in, in his cabinet. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I am hard pressed to find that level of even evil intellectualism. There's no intellectualism well, but that's, in that's, our current administration. That is itself part of Trump's genius. Uh, Frank Bruni wrote a great column on this in the New York Times. Everyone in the Trump administration knows that no other Republican president would have appointed them. This collection of yahoos and incompetence <laughs> and, and dirtbags and yeah. nutbags. Like Perry wouldn't have gotten an appointment from Romney. No, no, right? God, no, that any other Republican no. president would have like laughed Betsy DeVos out of the room, <laughs> wouldn't have appointed Scott Pruitt because it was too obvious uh, a direct assault on the EPA. There wasn't plausible deniability there. So all of these people Trump has gathered around him are fiercely loyal because he was their ticket. Yeah. And if yeah. he goes, they go. Let's, let's, let's rewind that to when he goes. There. Yeah, when he, we, I, we need a yeah, silver let's, lining let's here that. in this conversation. Let's talk about another, another silver lining. cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about another one, too, because many Democrats right now are pretty powerless. I know that we talked to a lot of Democrats right after the election, and they felt pretty powerless. We came up with a list of things to sort of energize people, maybe help people move forward. Do you have any advice on people looking, being positive in the face of a Trump presidency? Well, Trump has achieved no giant legislative wins, even with uh, the House and the Senate in Republican hands. Uh, and the resistance has been really effective. Um, unfortunately, you know, all up and down and through the government, um, through policy and uh, regulation, the Trumpsters are fucking everything up. The EPA, I think, is the ultimate example of how much power they have to fuck things up uh, just through administrative fiat. But the resistance, the immune system response has been really heartening um, to the country's kind of political immune system response to right. the Trump administration. We haven't taken this lying down. I was really shocked and disappointed in 2000 when it was so clear that Bush had stolen the White House that except for the one egg that hit Bush's uh, limousine during the his inaugural parade, that Americans just kind of let this happen. The guy who didn't win the electoral call, the guy who didn't win the popular vote and didn't win uh, in Florida, but managed to steal it in Florida with an assist from a Republican-dominated Supreme Court. I thought there would be more anger. I thought there'd be more people in the streets than there were. Um, and so the fact that, you know, now we've had somebody win the Electoral College, even though they lost popular vote by three million, uh, and clearly was corrupt and clearly colluded with the Russians, that people have not taken that lying down. I was really worried going into this that there wouldn't be the kind of sustained, focused resistance to Trump, uh, just as there really wasn't in the first uh, Bush yeah. administration, the kind of sustained resistance to Bush that I expected after the theft of the White House. Well, the, the, the reason the reason why is because everybody was in a huge line to give Nader a consolation hug. So that's why we were, we were just all real <laughs> preoccupied. Yeah, well, so. and 9-11. Yeah. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg or one of the other liberal justices should retire or pass away, they're fucking old. Uh, we have Jill Stein to thank. 
not just yeah. for Gorsuch. Yeah, we do. But also yeah. for the next bomb throwing right wing Republican tool that Trump yep. Yep. gets to appoint to the Supreme Court or Pence if it's Pence if yeah. is gone. Sure. Or Paul Ryan if Trump and Pence both get indicted. Oh, God, uh, doesn't get any it doesn't get any better. I, yeah, how how deep down do you have to go before you hit somebody <laughs> you don't? Although my colleague Eli Sanders had a great riff on Blabbermouth, which is our po- political podcast on Stranger, that here's what we need to have happen. Um, we 2018, the Democrats take back the House. They appoint, because um, anybody can be Speaker of the House. You don't have to be a member of the House to be Speaker of the House. They appoint Hillary Clinton Speaker of the House. Trump and Pence are impeached and <laughs> Hillary Clinton becomes president. <laughs> The aristocrats. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love it. That's, uh, that's great. After Eli unpacked that, we all had to take a moment to like yeah. get out the box of tissues and up before we went on with the rest exactly. of the Oh my God. It's like, that's amazing. That's I've now I'm yeah. more than slightly erect. That's a great yeah. idea. So, all right, let's, let's, let's switch back to, Blowjobs and glory holes. Tell us a little bit about the It Gets Better project. Um, the It Gets Better project was this uh, online video campaign that my husband and I founded in 2010 uh, in response to the suicides of actually just one uh, queer kid out there named Billy Lucas, who actually may not have been queer. He had never come out, but he was very brutally bullied for being perceived to be gay by his peers. And we had this reaction reading about him that that I think you, so many adult queer people have when you read about a, a queer kid, a youth who kills himself, where you just think, that, sit there going, God, if I could only have talked to that kid for five minutes. But of course, we can't talk to those kids because they're not our kids. You're not allowed to talk to other people's kids. And the queer kids who most need to hear from queer adults are often the queer kids in parts of the country where there are no gay youth support groups and who have parents who would never allow their queer kid to talk to a queer adult because... Uh, they're also bullying their queer kid. That's one of the things people don't talk about when they talk about anti-gay bullying. Everybody dodges this issue that for many queer kids, the worst bullies in their lives are their own parents. Um, and who are really pushing them to suicide really, uh, you know, cause, and and so the, the project was its idea. Like, you know, we were reading about this kid and just devastated reading about Billy Lucas, uh, and then Justin Aberg, um, and just thinking, I wish we could talk to these kids, but we would never get permission from their parents. We would never get an invitation to come speak at a high school or middle school, um, you know, in the part of the country where these queer kids are really trapped. Right. And it just occurred to me that, oh, there's internet, <laughs> there's, <Yeah. laughs> there's Twitter, there's Facebook that we can uh, record a video, speak directly to these kids, make an end run around bigoted preachers and teachers of parents and speak directly to them. And the whole kind of idea of the project was, you know, if you're a kid, you know, one of the th- criticisms we got was it's not just queer kids who are bullied. That's absolutely true. I had this really heartbreaking conversation with my brother, Billy, my older brother, after the It Gets Better campaign, like, took off. Because I was constantly on TV. I was constantly being asked uh, if I was bullied in school. And I was talking about St. Jerome's, where I was bullied pretty brutally. But I called Billy after doing, I think it was CNN, and I got him on the phone. I was just like, I don't want you to think that I don't remember that you had it worse at Jerome's than I did. And my brother is straight and my brother was bullied. Um, you know, his nose broken a couple of times by this asshole bully. Oh my gosh. Um, and still has breathing problems to this day from, from those assaults, right? Where then he was forced to shake hands with his bully and agree not to fight with him anymore by hitting his foot with his nose. <laughs> and 
but Bill, but then Billy, and he was bullied for being smart and a weirdo and, you know, into science fiction and a nerd before that was cool. And he said that he got it. He just totally nailed it when he said, yeah, yeah, I had it worse at Jerome's, but at the end of the day, we would go home and I had mom and dad and you didn't. Oh, and that man. was just it. You know, the queer kid who's bullied or the kid who's bullied because his race, faith, class goes home to parents of the same race, same faith, same class or a kid like my brother, Billy, who's bullied for being smart, goes home and they can open up with their parents about what they're facing, what's being done to them. The queer kid who goes home doesn't go home to parents who are queer, doesn't go home to parents that they can often they don't feel safe opening up to. So they don't say anything like I did. I never said to my parents what was going on at school with me because that would have meant having a conversation with them about my sexual orientation or how I was being perceived that I wasn't ready to have. And my parents, this is how long ago it was. My parents were kind of Anita Bryant fans, or my dad was, um, and, you know, conservative to an extent, Catholics. So I couldn't tell them. And Billy could. Billy could go home and say, this kid, I'm not going to say his name, uh, you know, kicked me in the face again today and broke my nose, oh. right? And, you know, I would get fucked with at school or, or knocked around at school and I would go home and say nothing. Oh, that oh, isolation wow. extends to couldn't the home. Couldn't even confide. Wow. wow. Because I couldn't trust my, I didn't have my parents right. react. And, you know, I was even then, you know, 40% of homeless youth are queer kids, even though they're only less than 5% of the population, but 40% of homeless youth are queer kids who were thrown out after they came out or outed um, to their families. And so I knew, I was aware of that even then. When I came out, finally came out to my mother when I was 18, and I wanted to come out at 16, but then my dad left my mother and <laughs> brings in my brother Billy again. It's like really ready to come out to my mom, ready to tell her. And then my dad walks out and my brother Billy looks at me and goes, no, <laughs> yeah. you can't, it'll kill her. And so I had to wait <clears throat> two more years. But when I came out to my mother, I had my friend Michael, uh, you know, this big uh, bartender friend of mine from the gay bar that I'd gotten to know who was not just a couple years older than me, but working in a gay bar, he came over to my house. And this is pre cell phones, pre smartphones. And he came over to my house when the day I was going to come out to my mother and waited on the porch in case I needed to go with him in case I needed oh my place to go wow. in case I got, Cause you really didn't know how it was going to go. It was, it was that close. And then yeah. if, if, if I remember the story, right, you know, your, your mom, once you came out, your mom was ultimately very supportive of you, right? And she told other family members that she would disown them if they gave you <laughs> shit. Yeah, she came right? around pretty quick. But getting back to the Gets Better Project, like the whole idea was we can take all the, you know, gay people, lesbian, bi people, trans people who are adults and are happy and healthy and, you know, reasonably secure. We walked that difficult path. You know, we figured out how to make it better for ourselves. Like the right thing to say to our family, that, you know, the right strategies and, and you know, how to survive. Uh, and what the project did was it took those stories that used to kind of die with us and it created a conduit with which we could then through which we could then share those stories with queer wow. kids who are just starting out on that path to illuminate it for them in the same way that, you know, a, a black parent would speak to his son. Look at ta Coates book um, Between Me and the World, which is like a long letter to his son about being a black man in this culture and on this planet and this society. Yeah. Uh you know, we were able, like queer people are now able to the Against Better Project, you know, not everyone's going to be as eloquent, of course, uh, and the queer story isn't the same as the African-American story, but can do that same thing, can share their hard-earned wisdom and perspective uh, and uh, the, the steps they took and what they said and, and how they did it with queer kids who are, you know, 14, 15 years old, growing up in a Mormon family in Utah and knowing they're gay and not knowing what the fuck to do. 
or how this can even be possible for them, uh, you know, and how their parents will never come around and they can go to the Gets Better Project and see a video where there's this Mormon kid, Mormon adult, like in his 30s, sitting on a couch next to his Mormon parents who not only now love and accept him, but on the video apologize to him for how they reacted when he was 18. Oh, wow. Wow. That's got to be. So is is the culture of bullying changing? Do you think that it, it feels different than when I was a young person? Because bullying when I was a young person is more of the shake hands with whoever bullied you and you're you're to blame too. And bullying, the responses in schools seems very different now. It does seem different, but I think Trump has really unleashed demons. We have a bully in chief now. We have a bully in the mm-hmm. bully pulpit. That we haven't seen. That's and so good. it's empowering a lot of kids to be very deeply shitty to other kids. You're st- seeing stories now about you know, kids who are Hispanic uh, or Latino who you know, or second or third generation American being yeah. picked on and bullied by their classmates, or even kids who are immigrants being picked on and bullied by their classmates yeah. and people, you know, <clears throat> high school kids chanting Trump, Trump, Trump at a visiting team from a school that's mostly Hispanic. Oh. And so the example, and then the sexism uh, of Trump, the example that the president is setting for kids is fucking toxic and the repercussions uh, are going to play out for a decade. Well, we're, we're, we, we really do think your charity is, is really amazing. So we're going to, we're going to encourage all of our listeners to donate to your project. It gets better. They'll find a link on this week's show notes for it. And we're going to match $2,000 to your project and hopefully people will donate and, uh, and we can turn that into $4,000 for your project. Cause we think it's such a worthwhile cause. God damn it. We'll create a silver lining if we can't, <laughs> yeah, we can't we, figure I'm it out. I'm trying to end on yeah. a high note. Oh, do you think yeah. the culture of bullying? No, it's gotten more. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Here's some money. Can we throw money? <laughs> problem i don't know what else to do well thanks i really i really 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 appreciate that and thanks in advance to to your listeners who who chip in for the it gets better project Um, it does good work and it has helped people uh and it has and uh, you know when i first started it i would get on tv and i would say uh we're going to talk to your queer kids whether you like it or not to to straight (laughs) parents who are bullying their queer kids and we got a letter at the project from this girl whose parents were horrible to her. She tried to come out as a lesbian. They put her into reparative therapy in a Christian school. Uh, they threatened to throw her out if she didn't, you know, change. And so she lied. You know, she, under duress, told them what they had to hear for her to survive, which she wasn't a lesbian. And uh, she wrote us to say uh, that she was watching the videos in her parents' house, in her bedroom, in the middle of the night, under her covers on her phone. Wow. And that is what the power of the project does. It's like we marched, the the, the gay and lesbian youth support group is meeting in that girl's yep. bed under the covers yep. uh, with her. And she said the most beautiful thing at the end of her letter, which um, was that, you know, she'd seen at the project, she'd seen kids whose parents had the same reaction that her parents are having now, whose parents now love and accept, and whose parents have, again, apologized to their kids on video. Uh for how they reacted. And she said, every day I get up and I go downstairs and I look at my mother and my father who are being so horrible to her. And I love them for who they're going to be in 10 years. Huh. She's a way better person wow. than I'll ever be. She's wow. a, better person. a way better parents, person. She's capable of loving her parents right now when her parents are incapable of loving yeah. her. And it's because Ugh. she has this image of her he- in her head of what's possible in the future sure. for her parents. Sure. And she has that image wow. of her head because of the It Gets Better project. That's amazing. God damn, that's powerful. That's amazing. And so now her, instead of saying, we're going to talk to your queer kids, whether you like it or not, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, bigot parents. I say, we're going to talk to your queer kids 
whether you realize right now that you want us to. You do want us to, you just <laughs> yeah. don't realize it yet. One day you will thank yeah. us. So, so Dan, uh, on the off chance that someone has never heard of you or your show, where would people find you on the internet? <laughs> um, on Twitter, I'm at fake Dan Savage and I'm verified. So I'm the real fake Dan Savage. <laughs> uh, and you can find me in my home paper, thestranger.com, uh, where you'll find my column, which is syndicated in 70 or 80 papers all over the world. Uh, and I have a podcast of my own, the Savage Lovecast, uh, which is now in its eighth or ninth year and very popular. It's a sex and relationship chat show. I have guests, I have calls, I give advice. And that's at savagelovecast.com. Uh, Dan, it has been an absolute honor to talk to the person who helped popularize the term Santorum as we now know and love it. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much for joining us. It was really an honor. Thank you oh, so thanks much. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Tom, let's take a couple seconds here to talk about our sponsor, HelloFresh. I've been using HelloFresh now for about nine months. And, uh, and the, uh, the quality of the meal, the speed at which you create it, the variety of those meals, yeah. and the portion control. You're not wasting food. One of the major things that we Americans do is we waste a ton of food. We waste right. food all the time. And this is a great way not to waste food. I mean, it's just Sarah and I, you know, it's just a, a, a meal that's our size. It's, it's made for us. Some of the meals they have are just, they're cleverly put together. Sure. They're easy to cook. Yeah. They come with everything that you need. It, it's a really nice way to come home and not worry about dinner. Um, HelloFresh is a great way to, uh, to, to get something done in 30 minutes that's a home-cooked meal, and it's delivered right to your door for free. So if you want to check out HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com, enter COGDIS30, that's C-O-G-D-I-S-30, get $30 off your first week of deliveries. I said, who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? Jesus. This story comes from Right Wing Watch. Uh, it wouldn't be a show without Jim Baker. It really wouldn't. You know, I, I really, I feel yeah. like, I don't know if he gets like a percentage or yeah. what his deal is at this yeah. point, but so uh, Jim Baker, unsaved people are going insane because of Trump's love of God. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, just listen. I feel like you got a lot of things to prove here yeah. in that one sentence, <laughs> right? Jim has to say about it. Unsaved people are going insane. Yes. They can, They can't take it. They can't believe that a person was elected to presidency that honored God. Uh, what? Of the people that have been elected, he seems like the least religious. He oh. seems like the least. And, and, you know, you can't tell. You can never you tell, tell whether or not he's yeah. religious or not. You don't know. You have to trust people, right? You have to trust when people when they say. But he certainly doesn't know fuck all about the Bible. Yeah, he's not really well versed. He yeah. doesn't have like a long rich personal history of spending lots of time in churches. Yeah. Right. So he doesn't seem to have a publicly available or publicly consumable religious life that you right. can look back on. And like, let's just be really honest. The guy is disingenuous. He's sure. just a constantly disingenuous guy. You can't, you believe, can't believe anything him. he says right. because you think you, uh, no matter what, he's always just trying to say the thing you want to hear. Right. I mean, we've got 500 hours of us railing on this shit. And I could just come out and be like, yeah, I've changed. I love, that's the whole, that's a problem. But like, that's a feature, right? Not a defect of religion. Yeah. Is you could just wake up one day and be like, ah, I saw the light. Yeah. Like you can ace a base that shit, right? Sure. Like you can see the sign. <laughs> <laughs>
You can just open up yeah. your eyes. Yeah. You have to I say see. it a little, a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> like you, like you learned it phonetically rather than <laughs> the meaning of it. But yeah, that yeah. song didn't die. It, it, that song took fucking 20 years before it stopped being played in department stores. across America. <laughs> You know, you have fucked your shit up and you're like with ace bass. Yeah. We're playing at TJ Maxx. Are you fucking kidding me? You're just annoying all <laughs> the fucking. They're in the clearance section. Thank you. Clearance section. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, no more than five garments in the changing room at any time. We are Ace of Base. Mm-hmm. That wants to keep the cross on top of your church. No, Who's taking church no crosses? coming for your cross, bro. <laughs> yeah. Who would be in charge of it? Like, what, what branch of the government controlled <laughs> by Trump would be like, oh, we're and then Trump is like stopping that. Like, no, guys. Guys. Stop. I know you're cross in a, collection. I know you're an Obama Obama appointee, but we're going to slow this down a little. We need to put somebody underqualified in that position right now. Let's hurry up. And Jesus in your heart. And he wants to stop killing the babies. Wait, hold on a second. They want to take Jesus out of your heart? No, I think he want, they want to keep the crosses on your church and Jesus. In your oh, heart. okay. And stop killing the babies. Oh, killing the Won't babies. somebody think of the babies? Oh, it's the babies. The it's little, always the babies. babies. And like we mentioned earlier with Dan, it's, you know, they're fine. We're totally not, they are not, they are 100% caring and want to make sure that these little, these little fetuses turn into babies, but they won't take care of them once, once they're, they're born. born. What is interesting is that is that you know they have in every other arena when you look at environment when you look at um at the way they treat the economy they want to try to make sure that especially with the EPA regulations that everybody's making as much money as possible we don't really care but come on they don't have they're very short sighted when you look right. at all their other yeah. policies except for this one this is the only one where they're like hey man there's a lot of potential there they don't pay attention at all to you know uh, any of the, you know, there could be a potential to ruin the planet when you're talking about, you know, any of the shit that's going on with the EPA and you put a guy who's fucking anti-EPA in charge of the EPA <laughs> and they don't even fucking pay attention. To right. But when it comes to fucking, you know, the potentiality of a baby, they're like, oh my God, we've got to, there's, you, you can't do anything. You can't even take the day after pill, but they, you know, they clearly, once that baby's born, they don't give a fuck about it. Well, again, I, I don't think this has anything to do with babies. I really yeah. don't. I think for most of these people, it has to do with women. Yeah, I, I think, think it has totally, to do with just yeah. controlling women's choices by controlling their reproductive health, right? If women are controlled, if, if their sexuality gets to be controlled by men, yeah. and if their presence in the workplace gets to be reduced or eliminated yeah. by pushing them out of the workplace to make them baby factories, yeah. then they win, right? It's, sure. it's less... Less of them pesky women folks that the yep. men are going to have to yep. answer to. Yep. But we're so perverted, it's so wicked that we think it's normal birth control to kill the baby. That's not, nobody, nobody thinks, that. thinks that. Nobody thinks that. You know, it's funny because like there's this narrative by these guys that, you know, women who get abortions regret it and they have these, you know, big weepies afterwards. And like, you know... The, the, the number one reported emotion after the fact, I was I was told this recently, number one reported emotion after the fact is relief. Yeah, that's because the devil comes into their body, though. That's true. So. Mm-hmm. That's not birth control. That's right. It's murder. I'm sorry. I know you don't like it. I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, no, these people love, they love this. They'll this laugh this shit story. up like your fucking garbage food you're trying to sell. They're them. on your show. Yeah. <laughs> when it's your wife, just to your right. 
What are you talking about? I hate to even have to get people so upset. You know, it's interesting because his wife had like five abortions, right? Did she? Well, something like that. Oh, she oh, talks yeah, yeah. about, and that's why she has Lori's house or whatever, because she had five or 25 abortions or whatever she had. Wouldn't you think if, if having an abortion is murder, isn't his wife a mass murderer to him? Yeah, but that's okay if she, if she, none of that matters. That's the forgiveness problem. None of that matters if you repent deeply. That's the forget. That's the problem I have with forgiveness. Yeah. It's the forgiveness problem. It only works with these assholes, right? Because if I believed that somebody was a murderer, right? I have I have a pretty significant list of unforgivable things people can do. Like sure. there are things people can do in their lives that I'm just like, yeah, we're done. We're yeah. just we're done here. Yeah, you know, for uh, completely. These guys don't have that. They so don't have that that he thinks his wife is a mass murderer. They do or a serial murderer. And he's still willing to say, "I'm that's, that's a forgivable thing." They do, but they're just weird, laughable things like being gay. Right? Okay, you know sure. What I mean, yeah. like they do have that, but these guys don't think that gay is a. They think gay is a choice yeah. that you could choose the other thing sure. and then repent. Yeah, and so it still fits their model. It's a very, very brightly colored rainbow ballot that you get. <laughs> But I'm telling you, this is one of the main reasons I believe judgment finally came to America. Mm -hmm. It only took, what, 1973 was when they, was it 73? Yeah, according to their narrative, isn't it like 55 million babies or something? 60 million, I think, is what they're up to. I don't know, like, does it, like, where is that turning point, right? The first, like, the first dead baby and God's just like, well, he was ugly. He was an ugly little fella, look at that, he wasn't going to grow up to be shit anyway. But then, like, you get to a certain point, like, all right, now you guys ain't fooling. Really? Imagine if like, if it really was murder and you could do something to stop it or to judge it or to condemn it. Sure. And it took you 60 million iterations before you were like, all right, hold on. Oh. Now Trump's president. Yeah. Now you see what we've now. done. Now do you see what you've done? <laughs> I or, or it takes you 40 years to get it done. Right. It's like, I'll get off the couch when I'm good and ready. <laughs> I will take out the garbage. Will you stop nagging? <laughs> I will do the dishes when I pull it out of the hat and it's not and a it's practice. Not practice. <laughs> Is we've killed 60 million unborn babies. Mm. 60 million ewes. Yeah. No. No, I'm no. fine. No. I'm I, literally right here. I, you know, and that's that that's the other narrative, right? Because it's they think that this this fucking that this clump of cells is a fully graduated from college voting person. Right. You know, they they they're like, it's you. No, it's not me. No, it's it's a it's a it's a clump of cells that gets um, that gets taken out of the out of the out of the woman well before it ever turns into anything that can be considered a baby. Right, and it's it, there's a massive difference between me, yeah. the person, and me, the potential for a person. Sure, confusing the potential for life with an actualized life is just it's a continuum problem. Yeah, you know, it just it just straight is a continuum problem, and it's a. It's a way for them to 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 make it seem like oh, but I don't want to be killed. Well, all right, yeah, I don't want, and I wasn't. Yeah, and you know what? Who you know? And fucking John Wayne Gacy wasn't either. We're not all good people. Yeah, you know. So it, nobody likes that argument either, right? If it's the potential, oh, what if it had been your mother? Well, what if it had been fucking John Wayne Gacy's mom? Yeah, you know, like and it wasn't. And so we don't need to go down that path because the what if game doesn't actually matter. Sure. All that matters is at the point that the action is taken. What is the status at that moment? Yeah. You can't, we have no guarantee. It's, what is it, Monday? We have no guarantee there will be a Wednesday. Yeah. Right? Trump's in charge. 
Actually, that percentage goes down every day. Every day. Every single day. But, I, but I'm being pretty serious. Yeah. Like you have this idea that we have some, you know, we should act on the uh, hope for future events. Yeah. yeah. Come the fuck on. That's not yeah. how we decide in the moment, you know, whether or not somebody's a person. I know I know a lot of morality has to do with predicted events. Sure. I get that. But come the fuck yeah. on with that shit. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Right. Everybody's oh, in your house, and it's and the baby's in your house, and, and the in your womb. In, the baby's in your uterus. And every, t- every time you hear a vacuum hose, a baby gets its wings. <laughs> For abortion that's still alive. That's right. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> Neither do we, Jim. Neither do we. Oh, God. <laughs> You know, do we need 60 million more people, too? I don't know. Like, do we really yeah. need the population of the U.S. right now to be 380? 380. It's a big, that's, yeah. Like, that's close to what I always kept yeah. saying it was. Well, well, that's how many people that were illegal that voted in the election. That would have so, swung it the other way. swung it. You are watching the beginning and the birth of the new world order. And you want to call me crazy? Go to hell. Call me crazy all you want. All right, this story is from Right Wing Watch. Wayne Allen Root says Las Vegas shooter was laundering money for some major crime syndicate, possibly ISIS or Antifa. The crime syndicate of Antifa. Yeah. Hey, Cecil. The crime syndicate. They're laundering Antifa's big demonstration dollars. Antifa comes over to the Nazis and be like, it's an awful nice demonstration you got here, huh? (laughs) It'd be a real fucking shame if somebody were to protest it. You got to launder all that George Soros money, I guess. (laughs) No, you don't. But it's fucking clean already, right? You just claim yourself as a political organization and he could donate half his fortune to you. Right? Or just... Put a cross somewhere. Call yeah. yourself a church. You don't yeah. have to pay any taxes, pay any on, taxes it. on it. It's Fine. perfect. All right. So here we go. This is uh, Wayne Allen Root from his show, whatever it is called. I don't know. I ask real questions and good questions, but the mainstream media is so liberal. They want to put me in the same article they write about the nutcases who have crazy conspiracy theories. I've never had a crazy conspiracy theory in my life. As a matter of fact, every theory I've ever had. All of my conspiracy <laughs> theories are still perfectly sane. Hey, buddy, if they're conspiracy <laughs> theories, they're still wrong. And every question I've ever asked has turned out to be correct. So I'm not. Wait, wait. Uh, how is a question correct? The question is correct. The answer may or may not be correct. <laughs> the question <Yeah>. is correct. <laughs> every question I've ever asked has been right. You don't understand how questions work. You're right. About the answer to, okay, backwards. Yeah, we'll Go on, out. Wayne. It's fine. Crazy conspiracy theorist. I'm the only honest person in the media asking real questions. They want to destroy my reputation by putting me in an article. Do you know all over the country there are articles about Wayne Root and the terror attack in Vegas? GQ magazine, yeah. Washington Post, Slate, Time magazine. They all tried to say that Wayne Root incorrectly reported the terror attack as a uh, Muslim terrorist attack, Islamic terrorist attack. Because you did. And it's not. And and that's what he did. I, I know, and it's not. So, yes, that is 100% that you incorrectly reported that. Yeah. We still don't know why that guy did it. These are these are the tweets that he put out. Right. So let's not let's not mischaracterize his statements. This is real thing. Clearly coordinated Muslim terror attack. Pray for our Vegas police. Pray for victims. Very bad. Awful. He went to the Trump school of tweeting. It this appears. dude loves Trump. Yeah. 
Shooting victims everywhere. Shots fired at Mandalay, Trot, Bellagio, New York, New York, Luxor, Hooters, Stratosphere. This is real thing. Muslim terror. What? That's not. Jesus, he's just, he's just spreading misinformation. And my sources report multiple shooters, searches at multiple casinos, automatic weapons. My sources say many dead, not two. My sources are on scene. Terrible day. Liberal fools criticizing me for reporting what I hear direct from police and credible news stories, sources. I hear it. I report it as I hear it. Okay. So that's what he said. So okay. him saying that I, I, he, that, you know, when he's like, that's what yeah. they said. That, that's because they just reported what you tweeted. What you said. Yeah. yeah. Well, what they conveniently forgot, you know, or, or just happened to leave out is the newspapers report on it the next day. Yeah. I was reporting on Twitter and Facebook live as it happened with policemen and police sources calling me minute by minute, telling me what incorrect information. Yeah, can we- so you were spreading <laughs> disinformation. Like it comes out afterwards that you were wrong. So you just because you had the scoop on wrong information doesn't give you a fucking get out of jail free card. No, it, it, let's talk about that for a second. Like that's bad journalism. Yeah. That's the new, that's the new thing where it's just like, Hey, look, it's not my fault. I got it wrong. Yeah, it's, it is It's like literally the only thing you're supposed to do. Right. Is get it right. You, that's why we don't do journalism that way. Yeah. Minute by minute, unsubstantiated guessing because some fucking Jamoke called you on the phone. Unbelievable. And you're just like, well, I got it wrong. Well, I look, I was talking to a guy who was near it. I know a guy who knows a guy who's uh, got a buddy whose brother-in-law works at the state police. It's just irresponsible. And he called me. I know. It's just irresponsible. And then, and it's so funny because like they think that they have, that, they, that not only are they supposed to be doing this, that this is some kind of a good action for them to be taking. But then when it blows up, they fucking backpedal on that shit. Like, well, I don't, being right doesn't matter about stuff. It really matters. Because oh, people totally act matters. on this Totally shit. matters. Exactly. They knew as they knew it. And and just as an example, last night I happened to eat at Gallagher's at New York, New York. Mm-hmm. I had dinner there, and I asked the waiter, how are you? How's everything? Is business recovering? And the waiter just spends 20 minutes telling me a story of what happened the night of the attack. The entire New York, New York was running for their lives. And- Why? There wasn't a shooter there. But Okay, but, but I can understand that there's being generalized panic. Do you know what doesn't help generalized panic? Unsubstantiated rumor mongering. Yeah. Like his own rumors exactly. where he reported on Twitter that there were shots in New York, New York. And those hotels are massive. And so I guess I could see Cecil. Absolutely. Those hotels was, are huge. Yeah. If, I, like if I were in one centers. And I, I was like, oh, fuck, there's shots fired. Yeah. When in my hotel, get the says, fuck out. Right. Yeah. And those had hundreds, a hundred plus retweets. Right. Everybody thought they were under attack. They were told they were under terror attack. They were told. By you. You're, by you. You're the one that said these words. It was a citywide terror attack and shooters were in the lobby. And him, the chef, the owner, the restaurant owner, all of them, he said there's room in the back office for 10 people. We had the entire staff. We had to pick. We had to draw, <laughs> we had to draw straws. Of 25 jammed into the room with the door locked, praying we wouldn't be murdered. I was reporting. Wait, all- but if they find you, you're just so much easier to murder. I know. Like, hello, yeah. let's put all the fish in yeah. this barrel, please. What's this mumbling behind this door? <laughs> <laughs> of this, as it happened, everybody thought it was a citywide terror attack, and I. Re- Cause you said it was, you fucking fool. Reported <laughs> that the media was trying to lump me in with people who have conspiracy theories and say crazy things. I. You said crazy things. I said it was a conspiracy theory because it's not the true thing that happened. You said crazy things. <laughs> Will you stop? 
been proven correct. At the Bellagio, they thought it was a terror attack. They locked down the hotel. Thought is not the same thing as was. Thought is not the same thing as was. There's a difference. It's why you wait until you have the facts. Trump does this shit all the time. And then he tries. He's like, oh, I was just... I was reacting in the moment to the information I had. Well, don't react in the moment. Stop do that doing every that. Time. Stop doing Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Be thoughtful. People were bleeding in the lobby. They thought they had been shot there, but they had actually run they down run, the strip yeah. after being at the concert, right? So I reported what the police knew, which is gunshots at the Bellagio, gunshots at New York, New York, gunshots at Luxor, gunshots at MGM, gunshots at Tropicana. We have a citywide terror attack. Who in their right mind would hear that and not think Islamic terror attack? Well, you, you can't. You First of all, Maybe I would think that. Yeah. You know what? I got to tell you, I would think that. Maybe, I would. Possibly. I know myself. Sure. And I would. It would be the first thing that would leap to mind. But you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't say it as a true factual thing. I would say it. I wouldn't even say it, first of all, except for like publicly, right? Yeah. I might I might say that at home and be like, oh my gosh, it sounds terrible. Like maybe this is another. Yeah, because it sounds, right? sounds so, like what happened at, at, in, in Paris, right? If that's right. the case. If if what he was saying was true, well, maybe it sounds like something that happened in Paris, but it's it's not. It's, it's It was one shooter. But we keep our wild speculation to ourselves. And off Twitter. Because, right, that's to ourselves. Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't put that out in the public. Like, oh, allow me to wildly speculate without even prefacing it with, is it? Or question yeah. mark at the get nothing, or at least say wild speculation. Right, yeah. being that they've done it in Paris, they've done it in Brussels, they've done it in yeah. Nice. How many places do I need to name? I didn't spread misinformation. I was doing. Mi yes, you did. You, you were fucking liar. Wrong about things that you said publicly, publicly. to a lot of people. Minute by minute updates direct yeah. from the police as it happened. Of course, I'm no, you shouldn't do that. The police have a PR line. They, 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 the police have ways to get information out that's been vetted. Yeah. So it's not just the thing is the, the police force is no different than anybody else. Right. So many people just want their fucking name out there. They just want to be important in the middle of an event. They just want uh, some fucking hearts and likes on their fucking Facebook page or whatever. People just want validation. Yeah. To, when you've got a massive force of people, just because you talk to a cop doesn't mean the cop isn't just telling you shit. So you'll tweet it and or, he'll feel like his dick got bigger. Or, you know, here's the thing. A lot of that stuff, even on police scanners, until it's actually, you know, what's going on. Right. They're just saying things, you know, there might, there might be chatter there. That's also wild speculation. Right. They may get a report that somebody heard a gunshot, but what they heard was somebody dropped their MacBook. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like yeah. because if, if you say, Hey, there's gunshots in the area and somebody hears a loud bang, that might be a door closing or something falling. Right. And then they suddenly they're like, Oh, I thought I heard a gunshot. And then they call the cops because now they're afraid because they're on hyper alert. Anyway. Yeah, well, and it's a good question. There's they're covering something up on this. Oh this my god! Who? Who's covering it up? Are they reporting? Are they? Are, is there is there a cover up? Were there shots fired? He's saying there were shots is, fired at all in those New York, places, New York? or were they all in all those places that he listed? But they just never reported it in the media. Where That's are all impossible. the bodies? Right. Where are all the people that lived through it? Yeah, because it would be like, oh yeah, I, I was there, and they were shooting out. There would be more people than Wayne Allen Root investigation. <laughs> Uh, none of, of it makes are. sense. The timeline. Of course right? they are. Yeah. Look, I saw an article yesterday. One thing I've never covered because I don't want to look like a nutcase. I really have never discussed on my show that I, th you know, whether I think there are multiple shooters because mm. the police swear there's only one shooter. On the internet, there are hundreds of videos proving there were multiple shooters. Oh, see, internet videos. He started. Proven. He started out with, "I'm not a conspiracy theorist." Yeah. And now he's going to talk about. You know, the strobe light that they that everybody keeps on pointing to, that's the extra shooter. Right. Well, I, I like too that he's like, you know, 
that I think whether I think he corrects himself, he thinks this, right? He doesn't, he's not, he's, he's trying to hedge his, yeah. his terminology, right. but he thinks, this, he is thinks true. this is true. According to those videos, I won't say they prove anything because it's the calculations of the math and science whizzes on those, on those videos that claim they're proving there's multiple shooters. But I- yeah, they're, they're math and science whizzes are watching these things, <clears throat> not just guys that watch things on the internet with no qualifications. Whatsoever. I'll tell you what, the internet's gotten a lot of these things really, 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 really wrong. wrong. Really, like really, really wrong. wrong. Yeah. The internet is not good at this. Yeah. The internet's good at porn. Yeah. The internet's, the internet's really good. It's good at, at porn. Free porn. Internet, internet is probably good at, uh, no, it's porn. I it's, think I was going to say it, something else. Well, I was going to say shopping, but then I, 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 I pulled it back and said porn, porn, and metric conversion tables. That's, that's about it. I haven't even gotten into that because I don't want the media to have a chance to say Wayne Root is promulgating this theory. But what's interesting is that my friend who's the SWAT, a retired SWAT commander from Los Angeles, 20 years head of SWAT, his nephew, I told you, was shot and killed at this event. Right. Does he have some credibility? I think he has tremendous credibility. What does he have credibility? Hold on, let's talk about that. Because he used to be a cop in a different place? He used to be a cop in a different place and somebody he knows died and he's fucking emotionally invested in this? Yeah, maybe he does have some uh, some things to say about it, but I don't know that any of it's going to be true. Right, I don't know that any of that lends him credibility. Yeah. It lends him the exact opposite of credibility. Exactly, right? He's, probably, he's got a he's got a, right. he's got a dog now. in this yeah. fight. Does he have a horse in the race? I would say being that his nephew was murdered at the event, he has very much interest in this. And his belief now is that there were multiple shooters. I sat, I was the keynote speaker at a huge Republican women's event Saturday night in Vegas. Uh, it was a national event. I was the keynote speaker of the night. And I sat next to a woman whose husband sat next to me. The husband is a retired detective. Wait a minute. I sat next to a woman whose husband sat next to me. Why so did he you say, I sat next to this guy? No, I think what happened is, is that they each sat on either side of him. Wayne put in himself the middle? right in the middle. In the middle? I think so. What? <laughs> let's Cal- have caliente. a Wayne Allen Roots set. Caliente. Like, you're like, hey, honey, let's uh, let's spice things up a little bit. Caliente. Let's bring in Wayne Allen Roots. Let's bring, oh. let's bring in Gary Busey's dad. <laughs> Vegas. And he said, the story stinks. The story makes no sense. I don't believe yeah. a word they're saying. Yeah, and he's just a random detective who has right. no idea and probably doesn't even read about it. Meaning. So it's not Wayne Root. It's retired cops. It's everybody. A word it's not being, everybody. It's fucking armchair people who aren't involved in the investigation. I remember I remember when we were going to invade Afghanistan. And I went to visit my mother. Last time I ever saw my mother. I went to visit my mother. And her uh, husband had on his dining room table, he had a map of the Middle East and he had all these pins and shit in it. What? And he was plotting out where they were going to like launch the invasion to. And like, he was like that's playing. A, that's a weird hobby. <laughs> yeah, he was a weird dude, man. <laughs> yeah. He had this whole, like, he had this whole, like, uh, risk board basically <laughs> when he was playing earth. against himself yeah. and he, he wanted to show it to me it's like some weird guy playing chess against himself <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i don't think we should invade afghanistan <laughs> that didn't go well that was not the best visit uh, actually imagine you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth this story is from vox an indiana county just halted a life-saving needle exchange program Citing the Bible. Um, and I love I love the subheading. The subheading kind of says it all. The program had overwhelming evidence behind it, but it wasn't enough to save it. That's true. It said this is this has happened several times yep. in Indiana. We talked a little bit about it with Dan earlier, but really, 
that's a that's that's one of those things that they do really well there is stop programs that can help people. That's true. Yeah, it's true. And they said it. They said in this that one of the people that votes for this, I have massive moral reservations. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, like massive moral reservations about this. Yeah, but I totally thought about how do you have moral reservations about something that was successful? Yeah, you know, like these guys. I, I want to talk a little bit about this in terms of like what don't we like about drugs? Sure. Right. I you know I think what they don't like about drugs is that drugs are fun. That's what I think they don't like. What I think that they say they don't like is that drugs are dangerous and addictive and destroy lives and are unhealthy and all the other rest of it, right? And I think that's all bullshit. I really do. I think that's all a massive smokescreen for them to just moralize about people uh, becoming inebriated, people altering their conscious state. I think they have a fucking boner about that for some reason I don't understand. Sure. Because if it was about the other thing, if it was about addiction, if it was about... Uh, you know, health consequences. If it was about any of that stuff, they would look at this needle exchange program. They'd be like, yeah, hundred percent. That's what we need to do. All the evidence is, but you would have no moral because your morals would side with it because it, it dovetails into what you don't like about drugs. Yeah. Right. The things that they, the, the reasons they think drugs are immoral. It, this, this ameliorates that, but it's not, that's not what lives behind all that. What lives behind all that is, they don't want people getting fucked up. They don't like they don't like people that are high. They just right. don't like it. Yeah. There's an interesting part of this article I want to read. It says, before he cast his vote, Fish quoted the Bible, specifically 2 Chronicles 7. It says, quote, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and it will heal their land. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you should have picked something that made more sense in the situation. (laughs) You could have read, I mean, at least, you know, what he could have read was like a verse from, say, green eggs and ham. At least in there, somebody's trying something that they don't like. (laughs) You know, it's like, can I give out syringes on a box? If I give out syringes, will it cure this pox? You know what I mean? Like, like what the fuck? Will you give them out in the glades? Will they get rid of the AIDS? You know what I mean? Like, like you can at least, you can, you could at least, at least connect those two dots. Right. But in this case, it's just like, it's like, yeah, I just read this random passage from the Bible that talked about sin. And that is why I'm choosing this vote. Right. Yeah. Might as well throw a dart in a fucking Bible. You're not, I mean, you're, you're a hundred. It's that did not help. (laughs) That thing that you read. It doesn't help. In no way. If you read that, I thought, yeah, okay. You don't like people getting high. I think I'm still right. First point stands. Yeah. You don't like people getting high. And they said, quote. Yes, it is a problem. Yes, it needs to be resolved. I could not give them the tools to do it. Why? Because doing nothing is fucking knocking it the fuck out of park. Out right. of the park. You know what I mean? Like, like, look at what happened when they took away that that clinic down there, down in fucking in the Man, southern part of when I know, fucking when, I know. when Pence fucking. The, the the guy who looks he looks you know somebody had said he looks like a, looks like a Bond villain that is absolutely perfect true. he looks just yeah, like a Bond villain he does you know what I mean put he a looks, tuxedo on him you know you put a tuxedo on him you put a guy that has like a fucking gold plated teeth next to him <laughs> he's a fucking Bond villain yeah but you know what like like 
he fucking closed shit down in that state and it fucking fell to shit because yeah. all that stuff was helping people and they closed it down because they're so fucking tight religiously that they can't bear to get the, uh, get the idea that somebody's going to use a, the plan B or that somebody's going to use drugs or that somebody's going to do something that isn't controlled by their church. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because every time these, these guys do the same thing, like you're saying, they, they do the same thing with birth control. They do the same thing with drugs. They do the same thing with anything where people try to uh, have any kind of bodily autonomy, right? Bodily right, autonomy, right. but fucks these people up. What they want you to have, what, what the Republicans seem to want to have is um, a kind of economic autonomy. Yeah. But bodily autonomy, they're really not pro. They, they, this, they are the most aggressively restrictive yeah. uh, political party yeah, in terms of... And there's no way to say. It's my body. I will, I will ruin this the I way I want to. wreck the fuck out I of this thing. I have done shit to this yeah. machine that it is not going to mean, recover from. And I mean, if that was the case, shouldn't they fucking slap the fucking fries out of Christie's hand then? Yeah, if that's right. the case. You know, right. they tackle that guy to the ground and get the Big Mac out of his back pocket. Well, come on. I mean, they would they, if they really gave a shit about that stuff, if they really gave a shit about health, right? They would give, they would, <laughs> we would have health care, yeah. for example. Sure. I don't know. We would incentivize uh, healthy uh, habits, right? We'd incentivize gyms and sure. you know things along those lines through tax incentives, things along. You know, we would we would uh, make we just we just straight up make cigarettes and alcohol illegal. Sure, right? We just would because those things cause more problems than than anything than the rest yeah. of it. I mean, by by massive margins. Sure. But we don't care. Yeah, we don't care because we just we chose our inebriant. Yeah, right. And we said it's alcohol. We said decided and on that. Even one. though alcohol yeah. is. By any objective measure I've ever seen, way worse than incredibly destructive, yeah. way worse than pot, way worse than be. coke, yeah. way worse than a lot of other yeah. drugs. So, but we, that's the inebriant of that we've chosen, sure. right? We, we've decided that that one's okay. Cigarettes, maybe just some people still smoke. So they just, they just, that's it. Yeah, that's it. We don't give a shit we about tax the shit country. out of those things. Yeah, we tax the hell out of them. But it's, they, 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 they're and encouraged. They yeah. Well, I think too because we can tax the shit out of them. And they're not mind altering. Yeah. Right. Well, we can tax the shit out of them and, and the people who are addicted to them will keep buying them regardless right. of what they cost. Doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter. So we want to thank Dan Savage for joining us. Dan Savage does a show called The Savage Love Cast. If you haven't checked it out, it's a it's a great sex advice column show, a little bit of politics mixed in. Excellent show. Um can't Terrific recommend it high, can't Man. recommend it highly enough. Um he's also he also writes for the stranger, uh, in Seattle. Uh, and, uh, and if you are interested in donating to the, it gets better project, go to itgetsbetter.org. donate, take a picture of the amount you donate, send it to us at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. And we will match your donation up to $2,000. So please, uh, if you have a little bit extra money, it's a great project. You heard Dan talk about it. And, and I mean, gosh, what an amazing project that is. It's well worth your donation. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. 
Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands. Bloody. Evidential. Conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.